0: Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the sixth and final week of our series entitled Born for This. Come on, can we just welcome all of our campuses, our South Shore, Gulf Coast, online. So excited to have all you guys. You know, we are finishing up our series. It's been six weeks. I trust you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, We've been answering that universal question of life. Really, there's three uh, that all civilizations have asked. Number one, who am I? Number two, why am I here on this planet? And number three, where am I going? We've been unpacking number two. Why am I here? What's the point of my existence? Why, why, why have I been placed on this earth? As a Christian, we have the privilege of looking into the Scripture. And so really the last six weeks, we've been opening the Bible unpacking what I believe the scripture teaches the reason for our existence. Number one, it's to know God. You and I have been placed on this earth to know God. Week two, we talked about the fact that that we not only are born to know God, but we are born to grow. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, obviously physiologically, but but also the dimension of professional, that God put gifts, talents, and abilities in our life. That God does not want us stagnant, but he wants us fresh and flourishing and growing in every area of our lives. Week three, we talked about that we were born for generosity. That life is much more about what we give than, than what we receive. Week four, that we were born to connect in relationships. We had a lot of fun in that message. By the way, if you missed any of these, you can go online and download them. Of course, we give all of our CDs away free as well. But last week we talked about that we were born to make a difference. And then today, I want to finish up today. And I want to talk about the sixth reason that I believe that God has placed us on the earth. And that is that we were born to multiply our faith. That we were born to lead other people to jesus christ you know i am part of the 1970s generation the star trek generation come on anybody watch star trek as a kid growing up anybody part of the beam me up scotty generation come on anybody in here Do you you remember on star trek where that that was the word beam me up scotty and scotty beam you up you just kind of go again in a similar fashion a little bit different but similar you ever wondered why we weren't beamed up the moment we gave our heart to christ you ever thought about why God didn't just immediately take us up? Well, last week we, we touched a little bit on it, that God left us here for a purpose. And I believe that part of that purpose is because, listen, God has an assignment for us to reach other people and lead other people to Jesus. That, that how will they know? Paul said in Romans, how will they know unless they hear? How can they hear unless someone tells them? I, I got to tell you, I, I've had the, I, I would say, distinct privilege of being poured into, mentored, and discipled by a lot of great pastors and uh, leaders. And one of the men that really impacted my life, he's just one year older than me, but his name is Craig Grishel, Pastor Craig Grishel, amazing preacher, leader, pastor. uh, Pastors Life Church in Oklahoma City, largest attending church in America. Uh, They're not just Oklahoma, but they're in four or five states, 80,000 people a weekend, uh, attending okay for Easter they had like 150,000 people and uh, 2009 I had the opportunity uh, I'd met him uh, at a meeting and he and he called he said Steve I'm, I'm starting a mentoring group about 20 guys and I'd like for you to be in it and what that entails is in essence three times a year uh, we'll do it five times over a year and a half process you'll come up to to, to see us at our church and we'll spend a couple of days with you Number two, we will spend some time at some of the other churches and roundtables, But the cool thing is, he says, "I'll have the opportunity once a month to talk to you on the phone and evaluate what you're preaching and teaching, and I'll listen to one of your CDs or watch you online and maybe give you some feedback. And it was an awesome experience, a year and a half, 2009, 2010. One of the things that he did was is that he taught us each week, or each month, one of the values of Life Church. For instance how they valued excellence, and how they valued the different things. And one of the values that absolutely riveted me, it's because of how they said it. It's how they wrote it down. They, 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 they value, obviously, like all churches, winning people to Christ, evangelism. But it was their cultural statement that captured that value that I want to read to you guys. And it really impacted me. And I, I apologize. It's always shaped my thinking, but I've never been verbally Uh, public about this statement that I learned seven years ago. Here, here it is. This is from Life Church, Pastor Craig Rochelle, Oklahoma City, a guy that mentored me. This is their value that's impacted us as a church. Here, here it is. All right. And it's all over the place, by the way, everybody, everybody on the team, the staff, even in the church, they, they see this statement. Here it is. We want to do anything short of sin to reach people who do not know Christ. To reach the people no one is reaching, we will do things no one is doing. Can you hear that? Can you feel that? He says, in other words, people are so valuable to God. People are so important to God. We're going to do whatever we have to do, short of sin. We don't want to sin, but man, we're going to press the envelope. We're going to uncover every rock. We're going to to, uh, press the edge on everything we do. Why? Why? Because people that don't know Christ are important to God. We're going to do that. That's their strategy. That's their value. That's what they deem important. And doing so, to reach people no one's reaching, we're going to do some things that no one is doing. Craig coined this term. Life Church has been living out this term. We've been impacted by this term. Some of the stuff that we've done as a church, we've talked about it. Uh, as, As a team, we've talked about it. And the reason is because when Jesus, when Jesus in Matthew 28 gave the great commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, it's the great commission. Listen, the great commission. Co is, co is, we're with, means with. Commission, who are we on mission with? We're with Jesus. It's a great commission, not a small Commission. There's lots of people that need to be reached for Christ in our neighborhoods. There's lots of people in our community. There's lots of people on the North Shore and the South Shore and the Mississippi Gulf Coast. There's lots of people. There's a great commission. Another pastor said to his church, and I, I love this, and I picked this up a number of years ago, is that we want to make it real hard for people to go to hell around our church. Anywhere in the region that our churches are. Anywhere in the region where our campuses are. Matter of fact, from time to time, one of the complaints that I do get about Church of the King, I don't get a lot of complaints, but I do get some complaints. And the biggest one is, you know, Church of the King is so big. You know, and when is it going to stop growing? And and, And to which I would respond as soon as Everybody either knows Christ or rejects Christ within a 30-minute driving distance of each one of our campuses, then we'll stop. But until then, we're going to keep preaching, teaching, reaching, serving, loving, giving. We're going to do everything we can to see people come to Christ. (laughs) Why? Because people are important to God. People matter, matter to God. Jesus died on the cross for people that are not only saved, but that are not saved. They're valuable to God. Today, I want to talk to you about the value of reaching people as we finish up our series. Again, next week, Pastor Tommy, phenomenal message. You're going to love it uh, on how to reach the dream that God has placed in your heart, real practical. And then I'm going to be starting uh, for six weeks during Lent. I'm going to be teaching when life hurts, the seven last statements of Jesus on the cross. What were the last things that he said on the cross? But today, I want to finish up our series, Why Did God Place Me on the Earth? The sixth reason. The sixth reason to lead people to Christ. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Mark chapter two. Mark chapter two. Mark is a gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's it's uh, in the beginning of the New Testament. Mark, uh, very very powerful book uh, in in the Bible. I'm going to give you the context, a little bit of the context. I'm going to go in the middle, the end of the chapter, then I'm going to swing all the way back to the beginning. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of context. Launching off, Jesus heals a guy, which we're going to read about in a moment. And then he calls Matthew, and Matthew was a very sinful tax collector, all right? Now, I want to explain why the tax collectors were sinful in Bible times, all right? A tax collector. He's an IRS agent. I'm not saying all IRS agents are sinful. I'm just saying Matthew was. Matthew was a Jew, all right, living amongst Jews, and of course, Rome controlled the Jewish world at that time. So a tax collector, a Jewish tax collector, worked in essence for the Roman government. But what he would do is he would collect taxes from his Jewish friends his jewish colleagues his jewish brothers and sisters his jewish countrymen but what rome allowed the tax collectors to do is add a little extortion fee where they could charge a little bit more and pocket that money let me tell you something if you were a tax collector you were not looked upon favorably during bible times so it freaked everybody out number one when Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. Look what it says in, in Mark chapter 2, verse 16. The Bible says, and when the scribes and Pharisees saw he, Jesus, eating with the tax collectors and sinners, that's with Matthew, all right, and Matthew's friends, he says, They said to his disciples, How is it that he, Jesus, eats and drinks with tax collectors? I mean, these were low, low I mean, they would, these were people that extorted from their own countrymen. How is it that Jesus is with these guys? These people have ripped us off. I don't know. Somebody's got to t- time out. Somebody's got to tell Jesus, this is not a cool. You don't get with this group. And yet, <laughs> Jesus is eating and drinking with tax collectors and with sinners. Jesus is having a party. He told Matthew, "Come follow me." And matter of fact, invite all of your friends together, and we're going to have a party. The Pharisees and scribes, man, they were freaking out. They thought this is not good at all. And then Jesus, then Jesus narrows in his focus. Listen to me closely. He gives his mission statement, his strategy. He brings some clarity of what his target audience is. This is so powerful in verse 17. Here, here's what he says. He says, well, he's, he's got, these guys are questioning him about having this party with all these heathens, all right? And he says, well, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are, everybody say it, sick. Those who are sick. Those who are spiritually sick, emotionally sick, mentally sick. Those that are sick need a physician. I I did not come to call the righteous those that are perfect, those that have it all together. I I didn't come to call them no, conversely, I came to call the sinners to repentance. In other words, those that are sick, those that recognize their need for me, those that recognize their spiritual poverty, those are the ones. Uh, it's, it's, I didn't come for, for the people that, that, that think they have it all together. You ever met somebody like that? I mean, they think they've got it all together. I had somebody tell me one time, in our church, man, everybody I meet at the church, like, it seems like they've been through something or they're going through something. I said, welcome to Church of the King. I said, we're a bunch of imperfect people. We're not perfect people. We don't have a you know, eternal Christmas card picture where everybody's just perfect. Matter of fact, we were all sick at one time. We, 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 we were all sick. We, we all had issues. We all were going through stuff. Now, I do like the, the, the statement that says that God loves you right where he found you. But I also like the statement that adds to that but he loves you too much to leave you where he found you. So he finds you sick, but he brings you on. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He cleans you up, but you've got to admit that you're sick. Spiritually, you've got to admit that you have a need for God. And, and, and Jesus narrows this in. He goes, I didn't come for those that think they've got it together. I came for the sack. Wow. I came for those that, that, that recognize their, their, their need. I want you to think about this for a moment. What, what if you were a policeman and you went on a, a drug bust? And, and you go into this house and you and you bust open the door and there's a couple handguns laying out there and there's some drug paraphernalia there's some needles maybe a couple empty bottles of vodka broken and crashed and right next to that there's a church of the king bulletin and maybe a born for this small group series what would you think? Aha! Uh-huh. I knew it over at Church of the King. Man, those people water down the gospel. They don't preach Jesus. They don't preach about sin. There's a bunch of compromisers. Look at this guy. Would that be your response? Or would it be, my gosh? people are so serious about reaching people. They've, they'll go into any place, anywhere, do whatever they have. They've got all different kind of broken, messed up, hurting people. That's where Jesus would hang out to see lost people saved and sick people made well. What do you think? <laughs> to me, that's a picture of somebody that's, that's seeking God. They were Maybe they made some poor choices as a, as a young person. They got hooked. They got hooked in drug addiction. They got hooked in something. They thought it was cool and fun, and then it, it brought them further. Remember this about sin. It always brings you further than you thought that you were going to go on the front end. And it always costs you more than you can pay. And it always keeps you longer than you want to stay. Jesus identified in Mark chapter 2 very clearly what his target audience was. His target audience is for those that are sick. I don't mean to freak some of you out, but you know we started this church 17 years ago. Um, I was called to be the founding pastor. And when we started this church, we started it for sick people. We had that target in mind. We, we started it for people that are broken, that are, that are hurting, that, that recognize their spiritual poverty, that recognize their need for Christ. That, that's who this whole thing was about. That's, that's what it's all about. Those that are shattered, those that were, that, that were broken in life, those that needed Christ, those that recognize their need for God. And I know what that's like. I know what that's like to feel the weightiness of sin upon my life. I know what it's like. And going into my freshman year in college at Tulane University, where the weightiness of sin and the heaviness of sin, it's just just just, just the guilt of that. I, I know what it's like. And and, and and groping for God and looking for God and trying to do things that I thought were gonna make me happy. I, I know what this, I know what it is. I know what it is to be sick spiritually. I know what it is to be sick, man. I know what it is in trying to do everything I can to try to watch this. Somehow throw off the shackles of my guilt. But I couldn't throw off the shackles. Because you can't throw off your own shackles of guilt. You can't do that. You've got to have somebody that bore the price for your guilt. You can't throw it off. By the way, you know what society's doing today? They're trying to redefine the boundaries. In other words, don't worry about guilt. So they're trying to redefine things that used to be called sin. They don't want to call it sin anymore because if they don't call it sin anymore, then you won't feel guilty. You can't redefine language to get guilt off of you. you. You can't do it that way. It's when our conscience is pricked by God. God's a creator, week one, and he made us in his image. And God divine, designed life this way. And I remember when I gave my heart to Christ, and I, I, I went all in, guys. I was all in for sin, and I went all in for Jesus. I didn't want to have yeah, yeah, y'all remember that skate country? Put your right foot in, you take your right foot out, you put your right foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn her up out. That's a, that's how a lot of people are. I put my right foot in, Jesus, take my right foot out, I put my right foot in, I'm not sure if I'm gonna sell out. I'll do the hokey pokey. <laughs> that's good, I just made that up. That's how some people are. <laughs> I promise you, you're the only service that got that I'm feeling it. I'm just telling you, I'm feeling it. All right. I want to talk about the heart of God, of reaching people. Mark chapter 2, as we finish up this series, verse 1 to 5. Mark chapter 2. So we're going to go back up to the first part. Mark chapter 2, here it is. Verse 1. And again, he entered Capernaum. Capernaum was the teaching base of Jesus, northern Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, was the, it was the, 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 the training base. It's where Jesus would do his missionary journeys. He'd come back there. And so he's there, and the Bible says, and again, he entered Capernaum. This was his place, and after some days, and it was heard that he was in this house. So he was in this house, but what was he doing in that house? Verse two, it says, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. So, so Jesus is there. He's preaching, and the place is packed out. He's packed out. Well, what happens? Then they came to him bringing a paralytic. Who came to him? There was four men that came, and they come to the house. The problem is the house is jammed out. It was so jammed, people are sitting outside. The door, they couldn't even get into the house. They could see Jesus, but they couldn't get in. Look at verse 4. So what do they do? And when they could not, not come near the house because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof. They said, aha. What we're going to do is we'll go up on the roof. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go up on the roof. So when they had broken through the roof, they're, they're, they're breaking through the roof. Can you imagine Jesus? I mean, can you imagine us in church right now? I'm teaching, preaching, and all of a sudden we hear a saw. And we look up, there's like some little... Pie- pieces fall down, you know, maybe some insulation. Next thing you know, there's this guy that's lowered down on this pal. That's what happens. He's broken through and they let him th- let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. This is in the middle of the service. Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, he saw their faith, the faith of the four men. He saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Oh my gosh, there's a lot there. In other words, there's something in this, I don't have time to unpack all this, but there's something in this, there, the faith, there's, there's a faith that we need in order to bring people to Christ. There's something in our hearts. See, listen, when, you, when, when your friends can't believe, you can believe for them to get them to Jesus. At some point, they're going to have to believe, but your belief can at least get them to Christ. I want to talk to you about just two things today. I want, I want to talk to you about reaching people for Christ, but I want to give you that definition from Life Church again. Because I think this is something, this mission, Steve, I think this is something that's got to become part of us at church again. We've been so blessed as a church, but why? Why these great properties? Why these great facilities? Why this great worship? Why all this great stuff? What's the purpose? I'll tell you the purpose. So that we can do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. People who matter to God. To reach the people no one is reaching, we will do things that no one's doing. I became a Christian right when I turned 19. I was a freshman in college. And somehow this guy, when I was in high school, got my number. His name is Vince Grimion. He was at the church that I went to. I don't know how he got it. Maybe my mom gave it to him and... Because my mom had everybody in America praying for me. Literally. She'd give $10. Will you pray for my son? So I'm on every prayer list. So this guy Vince calls me every, listen, every Saturday night for four years. Every Saturday night. We're talking about 1984, 85, 86, 87. Every Saturday night. And it was the same thing. I'm praying for you, and I'd like to invite you to this Bible study. And we had a Bible study Sunday night, a bunch of teenagers. Oh, man, I don't know about this. And so do do y'all remember we used to have telephones in our house? Do y'all remember those telephones? you remember those things? Amazing invention, Alexander Bell. And so do you remember that? And then do you remember that on the telephones you had cords? And when you're a teenager, you got your mom to get an extra long cord so you can go all the way from the kitchen to your bedroom? Do y'all remember that? Come on now. 1970s, folks. So, 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 so here it is. So, so you got a core. So I remember my mom would bring it, you know, Vince is on the phone. You know, I'm like, oh, God, you know, Vince is on the phone. So she'd bring the core all the way. I mean, we had like an extra long cord. It's like, oh, I don't want to talk to Vince. And he'd always say, I'm praying for you. I'm like, oh, gosh, he's praying for me. But, but, but he, would just, he would just, I just thought, I, I just thought, what, what, what lengths is he willing to go to? I know him today. He's a friend of mine. He lives across the lake. And he's got, to have some, he's got to have some heart satisfaction. At some level knowing that God's done something with my life. All that time invested. He was willing to do something that very few people were willing to do to reach a, a kid like me. I'm going to give you two things about loving people into a relationship with Jesus. And then I'll close. Number one, we've got to be willing to bear some burdens. People have problems. People have issues. We all do. Are we willing to bear some burdens? Look what it says in Mark 2, verse 3. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Now, I want you to notice what they didn't say. I want you to notice what these four men did not say. Hey, bro, you've got some problems. You got a par- you, you know, you're paralyzed. You've got some spiritual problems. You've got some physical problems. Jesus is having a concert in town. Here's some money for an Uber. He didn't say that. That's what we want to do sometimes, right? Hey, you need to go to my church. Let me give you a card. Go check it out. It's awesome. He didn't do that at all. Those four guys didn't do that. You know what those four guys did? I'll tell you what they did. They rolled up their sleeves, and they got involved with that guy's life. They picked him up, and they carried him. That's inconvenient. Very inconvenient. But they understood the value of that man. And they were willing to do whatever they had to do to get that man to Jesus. Are we willing to do whatever we have to do? To be inconvenienced? I understand we're busy. Professionals. But you know what? If we're really going to bring people to Jesus, we've got to be willing to get involved in their lives. You, you know this thing, and it's unfortunate, called drive-by shootings. And trust me, I'm not making a lie to that. It's very it's not good. And so drive-by shootings, I'd like to suggest that a lot of Christians do what I call drive-by witnessings. You know what a drive-by witnessing is? Jesus loves your brother. Yeah, man, God's got a great plan for your life. Hey, uh, check out my church. It's on the internet. We'll see you later. Now that's okay, but I think people need a little bit more involvement. Or of course you can go the other side. You know, sometimes that's the Jesus loves you. God's got a, a wonderful plan for your life. But some people do that, you know. You know, hot. You know, hell is hot. You're going there. You know, you're going fast. Where the worm doesn't die and the fire's not quenched. And, and you know that that route. Now I understand both theologically they're correct, both from. But I understand different strategies from different folks. Matter of fact, this guy one time came to our church. He goes, Pastor, I got to talk to you. I said, Yes, sir. He says, oh, I want to find out about y'all's church. I said, well, What would you like to find? He goes. <clears throat> I'm fixing to move my letter from my old church to this church. I'm going to know, are, are y'all John 316 hardcore? <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to know if y'all really get after folk every one on a weekend. Are, are, y'all, are y'all John 316 hardcore or not? Because I'm not coming unless y'all hardcore. Let, let me check on that. Hang on one second. I, Randy, because I know Pastor Randy's from the country. And so I said, I said, Randy, what, what does hardcore mean? What? He wants to know what? Oh, that we're getting after people each weekend. I, I, don't, I don't know how to define that. Hold on one second. I may need your help. <laughs> Sir, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sure exactly what hardcore means, uh, but we tell people about Jesus. We believe in heaven. We believe in hell. We believe in a whole deal, but, 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 but we believe in getting involved in people's lives. And we believe in being inconvenienced, and we believe in doing whatever we can to bring people to Jesus. Now, if you mean just screaming at people, I, I, don't, I don't know. We, we, I don't know about all that, but we, we want to see people come to Christ. I know that 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 there's a reality of eternity, and this is a big deal. And and we are a church that takes this whole thing seriously. Let me let me tell you something. You know that adage? It's so true. I know it's a motivational line, but it's so apropos for this here, here it is here it is it's so good people you know where I'm going with this people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care I think it's great if you can just do drive by hey man God loves you you know but I think it's a whole nother thing when you get involved in somebody's life that's what these guys did and that's why we advocate around here. Be a bringer to Church of the King. Be a bringer. I understand you're busy. You're, you're, you know, I understand. I understand. We're all busy. Everybody's busy. I understand that. But be a bringer. But before I was a pastor, before, so 30, I started Church came King. Before that, I very rarely ever went to church, ever, without bringing somebody to church. Because I understand. I wanted to be a bringer. I bring people to church because I believe that the gospel was the hope of the world. I believe that Christ was real. He died on the cross. He was there. I believe this stuff and I know what it did in my life. So I, would, I understand we're busy. I understand all y'all are professional. You're very important. I understand all that. And I understand coming to church is very important. But y'all ought, ought to be a bringer. You want to tell you the biggest drag about being a pastor? This is a drag. You guys ready? Here it is. I'm getting real transparent. It's a drag being a pastor related to when you invite people to church. What do I say to people? Hey, man, you ought to come to church. It's amazing. I'm the speaker. (laughs) That's gross. (laughs) How do I do that? You ought to come hear me speak. I mean, that's, I I, I don't know. I I send people out to church. I don't even know what to do. (laughs) Before I was pastor, I I mean, I'm inviting. I still invite people, you know. I, I absolutely but I'm going to tell you, I want to be a bringer. If I really believe that people are important to God and I really believe that Jesus is in the house, I'm going to do whatever I can do. Let me give you the, the, the second and final point, just a two-point thing. Sometimes I do two points just to mess you guys up. So I always do three. But I got to tell you this one quick story. Can, can I tell can, I, I'm sorry. This is my deal for 15 more minutes. But anyway, so l- listen, 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 listen. Can I tell you how, when you get a hold of this, how life transforming this is, may God be my witness, this is a true story. All right, I don't make up these things. There's a small group in our church that, lots of small groups. This was a number of years ago, and there was this small group, really a group of men, very tight. We're talking about doing what, bearing burdens. <laughs> you want to see this thing walked out? There was this guy that just lost his mind just went crazy and just alcohol, nut crazy, leaving family, just doing crazy stuff. His small group was so committed to him. You know what his small group did? Here's what they said. We're not going to let you run from God. We're not going to let you run from God. You can't tell me what to do. So here's what they did. Some of you guys are hearing me. You were the ones. This is this. This is amazing. You talk about bringing your friends. They went and got six folding chairs, seven folding chairs, and set up the folding chairs in his front yard <laughs> and said, we're not going to let you walk away from God. And they had one empty chair. And, and they began to pray for him and said, we're not going to let you. The first day they did it, the first week they did it, it was once a week, he was mad, cussed them out. Get out of here, <laughs> Second week, he was a little bit more courageous. He so said, guys, I, don't, I really, man, I don't, I don't want y'all around. Third week, listen. Third week, he moves the shades and looks at them. And, and the guys could see that he's starting to break. Fourth week, he comes out and he's totally broken and he sits in the chair. And they all put their arms around one another and hug and cry. Listen to me, listen to me. Some people just need somebody to not let go of them. Just like that guy. Hey, listen, they were determined. Are you with me? They were determined. They were determined. Second, final point, be willing to do whatever it takes. A lot of us like to, I remember as a kid, I liked to break the rules a little bit. I, I, was, I, was, I was a little daring. Now, I, was, I didn't want to die. So I had that level of caution, but I I mean I would do things, you know, like for instance, I would, I never waited 30 minutes after eating before swimming. <laughs> Be honest, I sniffed every marker in my house, magic marker. <laughs> I ran with scissors, I ran around the house with lollipops. My, I'm just I'm just being honest. I, I did all the things you were. I mean, I get it. I so it's I understand. I, and there's rule, I understand the rules, boundaries, and I mean that, but do you, you know what's interesting how. Sometimes we'll, we'll push the limit a little bit, break the rules and be aggressive in things and everything except trying to lead somebody to Christ. Because in this category, we live in a culture you've got to be politically correct, respect their privacy, don't offend them. <laughs> so I can tell them, what's up? You need to do this. Well, I don't know. We can get all these heated discussions, but you talk about Jesus. You know, I'm not open to spiritual things. Well, So then we just stop. Just stop right there. What do you mean? Uh, what, what about just a little bit more? What about, well, we'll push the envelope and everything else, sports, clubs, professionally, you'll make a call salespeople. You'll, they'll say, no, you hit it. I had one friend that was so persistent to get this contract. You know what he did? This, he was so persistent. He said, he said I want to get it. So he, he sent the guy, he was trying to get the business a shoe, and he says, I just want to get my foot in the door. That, he said, "Just give me. Let me just get my foot in the door, baby. That's all I'm asking. I just help lift y'all salaries right there. If you just take that, and yet we get our hearts to Christ, and and, and we go limp. And I don't want to fan people. What are you talking about? Verse four. They uncovered the roof." They uncovered the roof. So when they had broken through, they lowered the guy down. Listen, it didn't matter if this guy was going, don't take me to Jesus. Just hush. You ain't, you ain't got no recourse anyway. Come on, you're going with us. Boom, that going to bring him to Jesus. I got to tell you all something before I close. This, this, this is really interesting. You know, Bible times, the way that they made roofs were thatch and all this stuff, and they had timber, and they're three feet apart often. One of the substances that was used to put all this together is actually manure. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's lunch. Getting close. <laughs> listen, listen. Hey, listen. So they put it together. And I just think this is kind of cool. Let me tell you why. Because, I mean, you know, sometimes we got we to gotta just pull away some of the manure in people's lives to get them to Jesus. I know somebody had to pull away the manure in my life. They, they had to work with me and push it aside. These guys were willing to do whatever it took. Verse 4, they broke through. Everybody say they broke through. They, they, they were digging, and they, they weren't going to let obstacles. They weren't going to let obstacles. Why don't you pick somebody up for church? Well, I can't come. Well, okay, I'll pick you up next week. Well, you know, I can't get, look, I'll pick you up. We'll go to a Mexican restaurant afterwards, and I'll buy all the chips for free. much as you want man (laughs) hey just just don't let me take be a bringer everybody say be a bringer do what it takes don't let it obstacle some of you professionally you are so strong and powerful but when it comes to spiritual things you just you just go you go you go you go limp push through man people's eternities are they're at stake in this whole thing you with me this is a big deal, man. It's, I do believe in heaven. I do believe in hell. I do believe in sin and righteousness and judgment. And all that. That's why this, the stakes are so high. I get radical with people sometimes. Not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a Christian. Because I know what it's like to be in sin. I know what it's like to be enslaved to that stuff. And want to get out, but I couldn't do it in my will. You can't will yourself out of sin. You need the gospel to get you out of that. You need Christ to get you out of that. You need the power of God to get you out of that. I want to say how proud I am of you guys as a church. We, are, we, are, we have pushed the boundaries, and we're going to continue to push the boundaries. For instance, right now, Orleans Justice Center, we have 1,200 men and women in New Orleans that are connecting with us, watching. Can we just welcome them right now? Come on, right now. I'm talking about right now. So excited to have all of them with us. We are, we are, we're going to have in the next couple of weeks another 1,200 in St. Tammany Parish Jail. And we're going to have, I don't know how many are in St. Bernard Parish. They've asked. They've asked for us to. We're, we're going to push the boundary. That's a little unconventional. We, we, it doesn't matter. We're going to need workers. Some of you are going to give up going to church on a Sunday. Maybe you on on Saturday to be able to go and help us. We want to press the ba- We want to do what, what's not being done so we can reach people that are not being reached. Are you all with me? We, we, that's what we want to do. We want to do that. That's why in our small groups... We had over eight thousand people. Eight thousand of you guys in small groups, a ton of which don't go to Church of the King. That's what it's about. Our small groups are not for just Church of the King people. It's for people that are not in church yet. By the way, this church is not just for people in Church of the King. It's for those that are not here yet. That's what this is about. Whether it's we have teams that are giving roses and chocolates for years to prostitutes and different things in the in the city, and, and that that we're doing everything that we can think about. We're doing everything we can to get people to Jesus. Whether it's starting new small groups in prison and visiting and cleaning and loving and chocolates and, and, and sharing Christ. Why? Why? Because people matter to God. Why? Because eternity, is, it's, it's for keeps. It's a big deal. And people matter to God. And we as a church want to press the envelope. We as a church want to do whatever we have to do. We want to make it real hard for people. We want to make it real hard for people to go to hell in our area. Real hard. Are you guys into this? Come on. Are y'all with me on this? This is what we want to do. So I'll close with this. I'll close with this. I want us as a church. we're We're not going to judge those that were without Christ. I always think it's amazing and just sad, the irony attached to when people freak out, when people in the world act worldly. That's how... Worldly people act. We don't, we don't judge people. We, we're not going to clean the fish outside the boat. We're going to let them get in, let God to work on them, help them, heal them, restore them, work with them. So this church ought to be filled with people that don't know Christ, newly met Christ, and deeply walking with Christ. All three. All, a healthy church has all three. People that don't know Christ, they're checking it out. People that are newly saved and people that are deeply saved. Quite honestly, some of you are oversaved. <laughs> Meaning you've been saved so long, you've got what it's like to be lost that you don't even remember how it is how somebody actually led you to Christ. Does that make sense? I, I, I want to, everybody say, be a bringer. Yeah. Come on, say, be a bringer. Yeah. I am committed to preaching, teaching, equipping, inspiring. Let's do this together. Let's see, our, we're not the only church in the air. There's lots of great churches, but we want to be a part of impacting every Sphere of our community. All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing, Jesus. I thank you for how you're touching lives. If you're in this place today and you do not know Christ, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for you. I believe the Holy Spirit is here. I believe that God's presence, God loves you. God's not mad at you. Sir, God's not mad at you. God is the one. He's not your problem. He's your solution. He's the one to help you, to restore you, to forgive you. If you're in this place today or any of our campuses, our South Shore campus, our Gulf Coast, those joining us online or in the prisons or here at Little Creek, I I just want to take a moment. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, if you're not sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God, I want to pray for you. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me, to make me new. I can't save you. I really can't. Our church can't save you. Jesus saves. But I can point to the one who saves. Do you know Christ? Are you sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, the count of three. I'm just going to ask you with a show of hands just to lift your hands. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, at every one of our campuses, Pastor, pray for me. One, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high. God bless you, buddy, right there. God bless you, man. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you guys right there. Not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you and you and you right there. Anybody else say, Pastor, pray for me, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you. God bless you, sir, God bless you. May, I'm up there. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, church, let's pray together. Come on, can we pray with them as a church? Those that are, this is the most important decision that you could ever make. It really is. It's choosing to submit your life to God. Can we pray together, say, "Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart. Give me a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of a living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, I want you to give me 30 seconds. If you prayed and trusted Christ as your Savior, there's a connection card in the back of your chair. I'm going to ask you to just check, I have decided. We have an altar that's here to pray for anybody. You can give it to them. You can put this in the boxes on the way out or in Guest Central. we got some pastors we'd love to pray with you. Would you stand? How many of you guys enjoyed that today? Did it help anybody? You do not want to miss next week's going to be awesome. Helping you to discover and walk in God's dream for your life. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. I pray for the grace of God. Lord, bring us, make us a bringing church. A church that's willing to do whatever we have to do to get people to Christ. I bless your people as they go forth this day. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you next week.